You are listening to the SNC Podcast with Bola Shade Anozie. Welcome to Season 2. Happy New Year. I hope everyone had a lovely and restful holiday. As the cool kids say, 2018 is about to be lit. Okay, I'm not so sure if I did that well because I'm not in the cool kids category. But anywho, I'm looking forward to listening to tons of amazing music and interviewing amazing people. To kick off Season 2, we caught up with Oscar Heman Aka. Oscar is a music producer, songwriter, sound designer, and vocal instructor from Nigeria. His work covers creating jingles and adverts for multinational companies, providing scores and soundtracks for movies, to writing and producing for Nigerian artists such as Dare, Simi, Adekunle Gold, Amal Me, Two Face, Praise, Bears, P Square, Chilima, and Banky W, to name a few. During our conversation, he discussed his foray into music production, collaborating with Simi, music publishing, and much more. Welcome to the show, Oscar. Thank you for last Thank, Thank you so Thank much you for, for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate. I've looked forward to being here for a while now. Oh, so. that's it. Was Thank you know, you. Thank it was like pulling me. teeth to get you here. Oh, come on, well, we how think, can you even say that? <laughs> we thank God. How, how can you say that, Valesha? <laughs> uh, I'm glad to be here, though. It's amazing glad to have you. Now, yeah. what have you done today besides this? Uh, well, I've been listening to a lot of music. I've been listening to a whole lot of sounds, you know, from every corner of the world. I'm just trying to fill my heart with with um, different music because I'm about to launch myself into a very diverse form of sounds. There's a lot of projects I'm getting into for for i've been working on them since 2017 but we are very near mature or ripe point so in 2018 we should be doing um we should be launching out so yeah this i'm preparing myself for that you know and um okay, are you at liberty well. to talk about this not now not now not now yeah you <laughs> In we'll find time. out when the egg in hatches. Good, in the good time, <laughs> the exactly. Good time. <laughs> you know, All right, cool. No. about to fall off the tree. <laughs> you just, okay, that's yep, it. Yep, yep, yep. A bit about your background. You're mm. half Nigerian and half Ghanaian. Yep. And you spent part of your life in Ghana. Well, you guess it's not maybe not part of your life in Ghana, but you have... Yeah, I, 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 I grew up in Nigeria mostly. Mm-hmm. I went to visit Ghana a few times, but majority of my life was in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. and you went to secondary school. Where was that in Nigeria as well? Delta Career Secondary School, um, Field Crest International High School Secondary School, okay. and then I went to Ben State Delta University for uni. For uni, and you studied, and I studied law you, in okay. school. Yeah, <laughs> you studied music. No, I didn't study. I didn't study music, but no knowledge was lost. The knowledge was lost. Yeah. So you're the attorney in, I guess, academia, but not attorney in according to society. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. But it wasn't called to bar. It wasn't called to bar. Know, yes. But the the foundation. The, yeah, the foundations are very well. You know very well applied even in my line of business today now can you talk to us about what it was like growing up in your family um because a lot of people may not know that your parents are yeah, pastors. pastors yeah yeah, yeah both parents are pastors yeah. you know i come from a home of um two siblings so we're three um, i have a brother and i have a sister they were all into music my father used to be in a band mm-hmm. when he was younger when he was in the world, yeah. <laughs> my mom was a music teacher, mm-hmm. yeah. So she put, put us together sometimes. And then she goes, the clarinet, the clarinet goes, and then the trumpet mm-hmm. is playing. And everybody, myself, my brother, my sister, you know, we're singing different, different parts, you know. of. So we, I used to enjoy all of that. Mm-hmm. It was a very emotional process for me. And music could get me over and out of anything, any kind of emotions, you know, a negative, you know, I could be sad and listen to music and be happy. I could be happy and listen to music and become sad. It was, it was, it, I think it was one of the biggest, um, the biggest company to my melancholy, mm. you know, so um, it, it got me every time and um, only I wasn't such a great singer. So I was disadvantaged. My brother really gifted singer he has a great voice so does my sister you know i didn't i didn't get that talent at all you know so growing up in my family i was that guy who just wanted to sing it was it was no competition for me i wasn't a level playing field so i had to learn a whole lot mm-hmm. to be able to prove myself to be to for them to even take me serious 
in the first place. So would you say you music know? production was your way to prove to them that... I started <laughs> doing all kinds of things. I started, I, I joined, I said, okay, I can't sing, I'll leave for people, I'll start rapping. <laughs> so I was rapping back in what the 90s. What was your rap name? <laughs> Can we just move past? No, that? no, 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 no. What was your so, rap? You know, what was your rap name? Let the things of <laughs> the, the past old, thing, the past, <laughs> thing, the past. You understand? What? Can you drop some bars? You get what I'm saying? Eat some bars. Let the things of old <laughs> stay there. I'm not here to bring back uh, old memories. Yeah? So obviously, you're not really the best rapper. Let's just move I'm on. I don't think so. I, I'm glad, though, that I experimented a lot of things at the very early part of my life because then I had the privilege of knowing what and what I shouldn't, what I should and what I should not delve into. Mm. You know, I think I was a really, really crappy rapper, you know. And um, at least I've had the privilege of hearing myself after I'd grown. Mm-hmm. Let's ask myself, you know, why? why did I expect anybody to enjoy this? You know, because even for my own years, it felt like torture. Some <laughs> will say different, but that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. I wasn't such a great rapper, but I evolved from rapping. I started writing songs, and then I had a choir. So I write songs, and then I, I had a choir who performed the songs. But then I started producing, just didn't take it professionally. Mm-hmm. I was organizing shows too. My choir performed, you know, with artists and everything, but our own songs, you know. How did you, you get into music production, especially because at that time... Um, I'd been doing production for a long time, but I wasn't really serious about it. I, My dad, you know, he got he got this computer. And um, I've been messing around with this Yamaha, old Yamaha keyboard, you know, where you have the diskette and you can... Wow. Yeah, and then you have been messing around with it, but... You, I didn't have a keyboard to myself, you know, so I didn't have as much room to explore that mm-hmm. as as a very consistent option for me. So when he bought this keyboard, I started working on it one day and I just called a friend of mine, Iowa, doesn't do music anymore, really is a businessman. But then he used to produce, you know, already. So I'll call him and ask him, how do you do this? How do you do that? that? He spent like two, three calls, same day. And I started doing my own project. Mm-hmm. So I was making the music my dad walks in and he has this very angry, still curious face. And he's looking at me like, this is so loud. But then again, this music kind of sounds nice. Yeah. And I, it turns out that the music I was making at that moment was his favorite song ever. You know, what song was that? Stand By Me. Oh, by Ben King. Yeah, oh. yeah, the Ben King, yeah. So when he was listening to, when when he, he kept listening for a while, and like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm making music. He's like, what do you mean? Just trying to figure out, I mean, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. I, I put them together. I crafted them. Hmm. So he was intrigued by that. It's like, well, it sounds good, but turn it down. You know, there's a lot <laughs> yeah. of people in the house that need disturbing. You know, so of course I kept on disturbing the peace of the house. That's really my story. Mm. If Then when I come into the house, people know that I'm around from the noise that the <laughs> vibration of the speakers will make. Wow. You know, my friends and people in the neighborhood, they could literally hear it. I was pumping it. No messy. I I just gave it everything, you know. I I, I enjoyed the music loud. I liked to listen to what I was doing. So yeah, that was a very um that was how I learned. I I would ask questions, I would stumble, fail, you know, but eventually it came out to be a, a decent process for yeah. me. Yeah. And what digital audio workstation do you use? What's your um, preferred? I, I for for creating because I started using Fruity Loops. Hmm. I, I still use it. I use I, I I combine it with a lot of other things from Reason, from Logic to Logic, you know, a few other. But I I use mostly for for producing mm-hmm. and then for recording vocals and all of that. I can work with Logic. I can work with Pro Tools. I okay. can work with Cubase. Yeah. Depends on you know whatever my engineer is more comfortable working with. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> now, one of the things I love about your production and sound is that's very mm. clean, classic, mm. and mm. I feel like it has that timeless feel. Mm. Now, how have you gone about toning your sound, but still being able to be diverse and not mm. be predictable, especially with the kind of market that we have in Nigeria, whereby mm. it seems like it's always like a very groovy mm. and bon bon sound that always seems mm. to rain. So how do you, mm. you go about that? So while I was in, in Atlanta, you know, I had the privilege of working, you know, with some international artists. And one of the things I realized that the edge I had over most of the other people who were equally very talented was the fact that I I had the African touch, African feel. 
when I was writing my songs. I had just a bit of African inflection in the intonation when I was making some of the names of the songs were African. Some of the instruments I played, you know, had some, or just the way I would sequence my drum pattern or something. It always has some feel of African to it. And it 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 was now the new cool. It was fresh. Mm. You know, so when I saw how much the NR people there and the other producers and musicians were excited about it, I realized there was a lot of power in the sound. Now, prior to that time, I'd always been more focused on all the international, because I listened to a lot of international foreign music. Who are your favorite artists at the time? Timbaland was one of my favorite producers, stroke artist, the only thing, because I learned a lot from him. You know, it was one of my biggest, and of course, he's probably inspired entire generation. Mm -hmm. You know, Kirk Franklin writing, I love how he wrote his music. So I was first a writer before even a producer, mm. you know, so I was really not sure, inspired by because I had a choir and I used to template a lot of my song, you know, writing pattern too. If you yeah. released one hit, <laughs> Oscar is onto it. <laughs> <laughs> you understand? I put my choir together. Sing it. <laughs> oh, shit. You know you what I mean? One hit, Oscar's onto I'm it. telling you, man. <laughs> so it was like that. I was templating um, Kirk Franklin back to back. Mm-hmm. You understand? Of course, I grew out of that space. Same as Timbaland, I grew out of a space of wanting to make my beat sound like, like yeah. a Timbaland beat. You know, I had other influences, Dr. Dre mm-hmm. and the rest of them. Mm-hmm. But Timbaland was epic in mm-hmm. my eyes. He was, you know, and in my mind. So I I, um, I was influenced, you know, a great deal by these guys. So when I when I decided to, to bring that sound in, you know, to, to coin that sound in the way I wanted to express it, I paid attention to the most important things in African music or Nigerian music. And I realized that it wasn't exactly the tempo or the pace or the genre. It was the story. It was the familiarity. It was the relativity. It was about the content and about the 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 um um the quality in terms of um what kind of sounds or what choice of notes or what choice of tones rather you use. So instead of you know, putting the kick and the snare on the regular, you know, um, alternative rock pattern. I take all that out and replace it with the percussion. You understand? Mm-hmm. I still have my music flowing, you know. So what I basically just did was introduce the African elements that makes it relevant to our people, our culture, and our story. Okay. You know, and that was... That's yeah. how you yeah. yeah. Okay, that's cool. Now, for those who may not be aware, <laughs> you've worked with Simi for quite a while now. You're mm. great collaborators. Mm. Can you talk to us about how you met Simi and what it was about? What it was about her that made you want to work with her? Because mm. a lot of times, I feel like a lot of you producers, you want people to prove themselves mm. that mm. they really want this mm. before you say you want to invest your time and energies. Mm. <laughs> well, Simi. And she caught my attention when she released the song Riley. We move on from there, and many years after that, I got back from from this, this same. There was one one of the trips I made. I just got back, and um, I saw her. You know, and that time I was thinking of reestablishing back in Lagos, and I I liked her voice. I'm, I I knew her as a girl who sang Riley, and that's as much. But I didn't see how she could fit in the market of today. So. Um, she, 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 I listened to the music she was doing, great, fantastic music, but I didn't think it was, you know, it was relevant to, to the music of today. So I wasn't as interested, you so, know, so, at the time. Yeah, sorry yeah. just got you off. And I think it kind of speaks to the whole issue of timing. Yeah, that timing, timing exactly. Key, timing right? is key, yeah, yeah. timing. Yeah. So continue. You know, so at that point, I wasn't really crazy about doing anything with her. You know, but I told her, like, look, there's something here. You just need to work on certain things. Change your narrative, the way you write, you know, change, change your style. Make your music more relatable, you know, make it easily consumable. You understand? Stop all the philosophical writing and everything. So I just told her a few things, you know, better ways to use words and poetry. And, you know, she came up to it, I think maybe a year plus after that, you know, because she kept sending me stuff. At some point, I got tired of listening because it felt like the same thing. And then after a while, I, you know, she calls me and she says, oh, I want you to sell this song to someone. And she sends it to me. And I'm like, so what are you selling? I'm like, this is what I've been talking about. 
I'm like, this is you. This is what you should do. And she sent me a couple of songs and I'm like, fantastic. This is it. You understand? And I saw her tenacity, how hardworking, passionate she was. She could write like 10 different songs on one beat. Some I tell, oh, change this. And she's back at it in one day. And I'm like, this mm. is what I want. Yeah. You understand? And everything is history. I mean, we, we took it from there. We've yeah. had a work, great working chemistry. She's, she's awesome. Started off with teeth. Started off with tea. We funny. moved on to Inogo Funny. We moved on to Open and Close. Open and Close. We, no, we moved on um, Inogo Funny. We, Tiff and Inogo Funny, actually. Uh-huh. Then we moved on to Jam Question. Yeah, we went to Open and Close. We moved on to Out of My Head, Love Don't Care, oh, S- Smile For Me, um, Then Jeremy, Then Owambe. Yeah. I think, you know. Okay. Now you kind of jumped ahead. Um, mm. With Simi, you produced the majority of her album. Mm. So, can you talk to us about what was it you were thinking about? How you went about creating those sounds mm. to ensure that the album was not going to be be monotonous for Simi? Mm. So, to talk to us about that. Because we had a huge body of work together before we even released one single. What I now had to ensure was that the themes we're talking about and the style of the music were not replicating, being replicated through the entire album. Mm. So we could have done two albums at once, but we love the things that we had. Some of them were addressing the same thing or sounded too alike. So I'm like, you know, we have to make an album that is as vast in sound as much as content and quality, you know, thematically, of course, most important. So yes, so we decided to start making, you know, new stuff and talking about different things. So let's talk about this, let's talk about that, let's talk about that. You know, and then in choosing the kind of how I wanted the music to sound, I didn't want it to. I didn't want it to be absolutely as predictable. You understand? So, I I kind of I kind of you know incorporated a few. Like even when you hear like a Gone for Good, that song could have just been a straight ballad piano. You understand? But you hear some interesting sounds from the beginning, some electronic sounds being kind of mixed with the with the with the music and then you hear the drums coming from the second verse i just really wanted to give it a twist yeah from this the the well expected sound that they would expect from a collaboration of simi and oscar yeah. mm. i think you did a, i think you did a great job especially Thank because um you. it's one of the albums that people a lot of people have said that was one of their favorite albums of 2017 yeah, yeah. now yeah. let's quickly go on to jeremy Mm-hmm. Are you surprised by how much people love Jeremy? No. And I asked that question mm-hmm. because I guess when I was preparing to interview, I thought about the fact that the song is an amazing song. Mm-hmm. But is it also that the fact that because people already have the association with nostalgia mm-hmm. that made them love um, Jeremy? So if mm-hmm. you speak on that. First of all, I think the song is amazing as it is. Got you tooting you know? your own horn. <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing as it is. It has a lot of elements that naturally will catch your attention. Mm. However, I cannot disregard the power of nostalgia, which is what the word in itself, Jeremy, does mm. for the music. You know, nostalgia, however, is in everything that we do because, um, in fact, the entire inspiration we have is from residual knowledge. You understand. And most times when you play on something that is familiar, you are able to, you know, get people's interest and support on it. So generally, I cannot say for a fact, nostalgia played a great role. Jeremy was a big song in an era, however, that most are not familiar with. Mm. But you see, this song cut across from the young to the old people. Now it's okay for the old people to like the music and to enjoy it. But I bet you maybe 70% of the, the major consumers of Jeremy as a song never even heard of the original yeah, Jeremy, Jeremy but they love it still so that goes to say that it's a good song regardless of the nostalgia effect you know but we'll never know if it actually would have been as big mm-hmm. you know if it didn't have the nostalgia feel I guess only God can tell because yeah. it's not it's, it's impossible for us to figure out that now yeah. and what would you say your favorite songs of Simi's album it has to be Smile For Me and Complete Me oh, okay. I like Going For Good too but it's yeah. a very, very sad song you know it's what it's a very sad song it's a very sad song one yeah. of my favorite songs I can imagine <laughs> <laughs> I won't put it past you <laughs> why did you say that because you think that I mean uh, this is like <laughs> before I listen Oscar thinks that I tend to like moody songs which is true uh-huh. I'm I'm just drawn to yeah I'm just drawn to like not necessarily sad songs mm. I'm just drawn to moody songs yeah there's something about moody songs that just mm-hmm. I guess 
speaks to people. Yeah, yeah, in a very, in a very unique way. Yeah. Mm. So mm. My, my, my favorite songs of Simi's album are Jeremy, Gone mm. for Good, mm-hmm. Take Me Back, mm. and Hip Hop Array. Hip Hop Array for real? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hip Hop Array to the song yeah. comes down. <laughs> Funny enough, that song wouldn't have made that album. Why? Because Simi didn't like it. Oh. I had to insist that song was going to be on that album. And then Steve backed me up on it. <laughs> when he heard the song, he loved it. Yeah. So it was like our... Thank that God song is probably, it's probably not going to get a video. Yeah. You know, but that one was our own influence <laughs> yeah. to, to get a song. She never liked Why the song. Why did she like it? She doesn't feel it was at par with every other thing. To some extent, Which I, agree I agree with it. Yes. Yeah, it was, mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah. But I still felt like in the spirit of not being extremely stereotype mm-hmm. you understand it wasn't a bad you know it wasn't a bad venture mm-hmm. you know in terms of you know being diverse yeah it wasn't bad so at that all she's not pigeonholed into mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. artist into, who, yes yeah. you know so and who knows maybe hip hop as a standalone may have done it been a great single mm-hmm. who knows yeah nobody knows that's you true know. Now, another artist mm-hmm. that you've collaborated with is Dare. Mm-hmm. You produced the majority of his 2015 album, Naked. Yeah. And you also co-A&R the album alongside Jola. Yeah. Now, my favorite songs of that album are Inside of You, featured Asha, mm. Pray For Me, and Want You Back. Mm. Now, let's start off with Pray For Me, because mm. I feel like there's nobody, well, I mean, there may be people, but mm. everybody loves that song. Mm. So talk mm. to us about how Pray For mm. Me, the creative process behind Pray For Me. Uh, Pray For Me, from the inception Okay, <clears throat> so I was having this conversation with Paul of the Peace Square duo, and um, he was telling me about the relationship, how, he, he, you know, him, they, they and their father hadn't been in such great terms, you know, until a few years before he died. So um, he was telling me about the experience when they, and this, this was as far back as when they were leaving their house in back there in Jos, and they were coming to Lagos, of course, in such of greener pastures for the music and the father did not believe that there was anything you know good that could come out of it so he told me it was like you know they had to they they, they left against his will and um they just took out the sim card off their phone threw it on the table and said look just pray for us you don't need to reach us just pray because now what can we do this so we've gone already yeah. i think that's where the you know because i'm already yeah, gone yeah, so yeah. just you yeah, understand yeah. so it was so powerful because the story was, I, I, I could relate to the story only on a different level. No, Most people love the song because it reminds them of their own life. Yeah. You know, I remember when I was coming to Lagos as well, my parents were not approving of it, you know, because it's like, ah, life, I mean, from worry, I'm like, what, what, are, what are you doing? Like, you know, this is familiar. We understand this terrain. Mm-hmm. Who do you know there? What do you know there? How do you, you know, you think you're just going to go there and people will accept you or embrace you? You already have foundation here. You have mm-hmm. connection here, to here. But so I could understand. So that I could relate. Parents, yes, yeah. I could relate to it because I, you know, where, where. So I, I wanted to, and I went. The piano riff just came in, and I kept playing it, and it was it had just the right moodiness to set the tone for the entire structure mm-hmm. of the song so bec- from the from the melancholic provocation that the um piano riff created i was able to start building the story you know and i called Dari. then i just started working on this project and called him and we had a conversation and i'm like you know maybe this was probably the third or fourth song because when i started the song i didn't know who i was going to so i started it and i left it I didn't want to pattern it because, I mean, some artists, that song will be way too big for mm. them, even if they had the voice to deliver, mm. you know. So so when I decided, okay, I think he should. So we talked about it. He came over to the studio. He heard what I had. We talked through it and vibe it and we were able to build the entire template. You know, we just we just talked it through mm-hmm. and we were able to write through and and get it all together. And the decision you know. to add the Soweto gospel choir. That was Darius, you know, idea. You know, he heard the song and you know, it was like, man, man, I think these guys, you know, they will make a brilliant addition to this thing. And I'm like, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, so we decided to go all out with the Soweto guys, you know, and we recorded with them. You know, we had a bit of challenging. The, 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 the addition of the Soweto gospel choir voice made it sound more epic. It was more epic than it would. It was very, very, very valuable. But at the same time, it posed a lot of challenge because we didn't even, we couldn't figure out how to mix the song. 
you know, because it was a specific, it was a unique genre. Mm-hmm. And then I had to start making production decisions at the mix phase because it almost sounded like the 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 the, the vocals were chaotically confused, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So so yeah. So eventually we made decisions and said, look, you know what? Drive the vocals, drive the percussion every other thing we can compromise yeah you know and that was how yeah. it yeah and it was mixed out. by um light on dada natialo productions on the mix <laughs> shout out to my homie yeah light on is amazing great guy now um i think just what you just said just reminded me mm-hmm. of when we used when we were working on simi's teeth mm-hmm. and i wanted certain instruments to be there and you said you know this is yeah the power yeah. the voice and yeah just, yeah just taking it so just kind of knowing Mm-hmm. the importance of letting yeah. the record be cohesive yeah. rather than just saying, maybe getting emotionally attached exactly. and not knowing to take out stuff. Exactly, right? yeah. exactly. Cool. Now, another one of my favorites from you is Chidima's Run Your Mouth. Mm. Can you talk to us about that record? Run Your Mouth. Well, it, Run Your Mouth was better out of the necessity of making music, you know, for Chidima's album compilation. Also, there was a lot of rubbish happening, you know, as... The government was disappointing, you know. There were there was hardly anything. I think that was that was um, pre the era of um, of Occupy Nigeria, Nigeria. pre Occupy, you know, pre Occupy Niger mm-hmm. Niger era, you know. So, but there was a lot that was going wrong, you know. And at that, I just felt I'm like, you know, I'm tired of this whole situation it was my own way of expressing expressing my frustrations having to deal with Nigeria again coming back into the system you know dealing with all the nuisance the disorganization you know unpredictability and disorganization of almost everything so i'm like you know i think at that point i was always saying this country i don't even know why anybody should ever suggest paying tax when we are all individually a government of our own you know so i think she was the right person to address, you know, yeah, that at does. the time, yeah. you know. So I guess she just rightly conveyed all that, you know, conversation mm-hmm. or all that translated the narrative in a beautiful way. And, you know, we're able to create the, the beauty that is Rondi Amal. Yeah, it's an amazing, 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 one of my favorite records. Thank you, thank you. Now, um, I forgot to even ask you about Inside of You featuring Asha. Can you talk to us about that record? Inside of you, yes, yes. So Diola calls me after we're almost wrapping up the album, and she's like, "Okay, this the album is clean and it's nice and it's good, but I mean, let's let's just have something a little, you know, something a little edgy, you know, something a little unpredictable, but not going overboard, you know. Let's let's ask let let's 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 do something that was suggestive enough to start a conversation, hmm. you know. So. So I thought about this and I'm like, okay. And then she sent me this John Legend song, John Legend song that she really liked, and she's like, ah, you know, I think we should, you know, listen. You should listen to this. And I like the song. I'm like, but it's a ballad. So I'm like, how about we do something that we transition from a ballad to the reggae vibe, you know? So she says that, and I, and so I tell her that, and I'm like, I think, you know, it will make a really, 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 really great piece. So I go ahead and get in there, and the word inside of you comes into my head as I'm playing the piano, you know. And inside of you, because inside of you just had enough, it has enough, it had enough naughtiness mm-hmm. to create the suggestive feel, you know. At the same time, it had enough room for dual interpretation mm-hmm. to create the oh, it's not so naughty after all, you know. Which is why we now accompanied it with. Let me live inside of you. Let me live inside your heart. Mm-hmm. You know, because inside of you wasn't enough to say, oh, it's not so naughty after mm-hmm. all. You know, say, let me live inside of your heart because living inside of you could have meant anything <laughs> yeah. else. You know? And what about you know the what decision? <laughs> <laughs> what about the decision to um, feature Asha on the record? Was that Darius' decision as well? I, I I can't even remember how that happened. Maybe Diola. I can't remember. I wasn't the one who decided that though. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't really make any decisions for the collab for the collaborations on the project, if there was any. I can't remember. I, I think there was no collaboration actually. It was just um, um, Soweto and Asha, Asha actually. Yeah. You know, but I didn't make any of the collaboration decisions. Mm. They, they, you know, they did it. I think we talked about it. Oh, do you think this person will be great on there? I'm like, yeah, it sounds good. And yeah, we brought the person in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And another person 
that I obviously have to ask you about is Kunle. Mm-hmm. Are Kunle Gold? Mm-hmm. So you produced off his gold album, Beautiful Nights, RNK, mm-hmm. No Forget and Fight For You. Mm-hmm. You also co-ARN the album alongside mm-hmm. Shakey's. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to us about, just briefly about putting that album together? together? Yeah, It was a very beautiful process. It was enjoyable. We had chemistry across the board. Shakey's a fantastic, fantastic producer. You know, we're working together. You know, um, feels as well. You know, we've done a lot together, mm-hmm. so we had chemistry. We we listened to each other. Everybody made valuable imp- input, and Conley, as always, was an absolute stunner. Hardworking, professional, brought his A gaming, and he made the job easy for everybody. You know, his delivery too was a compliment to every effort we put in. You know, mm-hmm. so it was one of the probably one of the most enjoyable project projects I've worked on. Okay, what was your favorite one of the one you the ones you produced? I think Oriente actually. Oh really? Well, Oriente is my favorite song off the album "Fight for You." Okay. It's my actual favorite. Okay. You know, fa- fa- Oriente because of the success, I would say. But in in true essence, my favorite song is "Fight for You." You know, I just, um, I just. Um, that song, I just feel like it deserved a lot more than what I gave to it. I feel like I, someone was telling me, oh, that song should have gotten the video. But I don't really hear, you know, not really, it wasn't really the video for me. I just feel like it deserved a better production, you know, honestly speaking. And you I know, agree. It really did, yeah. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's great when you have producers know that they mm. could have, not even like not given it 100, maybe taken it in a different direction yes, than yes. you know, it should have. Yes, it was. It was. I think I, I did my best I could at the time, mm. or at least that I, I felt I could at the time, you know, because it was kind of experimental. That wasn't the original idea I had for the music, but it was experimental, you know. And, and I mean, it's not, it's, I regret that I didn't do another one. But I don't regret trying to experiment it, you know, because, I mean, sometimes you just have to to break the boundary. That's the only way you can create, you know, something phenomenal, something different. Because you never know, you know, you never know how it works out. For that song, it just didn't work out how I planned it, Mm -hmm. you know. There's something, you know, Timbaland said in his book, you know, that I, I, I always remember, you know, in experimenting, you know, on projects and everything. And he said... Your um your failures are just as important to your process as your success. Mm-hmm. You know, shout out to Falash for <laughs> hooking me up with the copy. Yeah, <laughs> I think kind of goes back to you knowing that mm. your rapping career wasn't going to take off. <laughs> uh, so that failure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you kind of have a point, though. Yeah. You know, that's exactly yeah. yeah. You have to experience the failure. We didn't have to say that. <laughs> We've gone past that conversation already. Why you have to you go? You still back haven't like told that? us about your rap, your rapper name. What uh, was it called? Oscar let, Yadibes. Let let the dead bury the dead. That career, rapping career is dead. You asked for how, you know? Did you release any records? No, no. Uh, we recorded a lot of records, but I had a, I had a very a bunch of very talented people around me yeah. who encouraged what I was doing at the time. Yeah. Not because I was I couldn't do any better at that time. I just didn't do as good. Yeah, you know, I'll so probably be a better rapper today than I was then. Oh, yeah, Not some buzz. Yo yo yo, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, field rapper. <laughs> now let's move on to the part that you work. Um, you produce for a lot of, a lot of work for corporations, some mm-hmm. jingles and mm-hmm. adverts, and you also mm-hmm. do movie scoring and soundtracks. Mm-hmm. Now, for an, a producer who may be listening and wants to diversify his or her portfolio, mm. how what advice would you give them about developing those relationships? Well, um, it's time and it's nurturing. You can't be all actually fartsy about the whole business and expect to be able to do good business. You know, these are relationships I have built and nurtured over time. Some of the people I knew them when they were absolutely nothing. And that reminds me about the some, what some people, their entire principle on networking is networking up. You understand? Mm. I'd built network from, you know, a very humble point, Mm. you know, where when most of these people were younger, you know, in 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 the chain of command, Mm. you know, and they were still finding their way in their own industry. Mm -hmm. A lot of them right now are bosses and leaders or captains in their own fields right now. You know, some of them are still on their way there. But I think I've always learned to network up 
on my level and even beneath you know because you never really know who it is you really need because sometimes even the yoga might not have as much influence as the person, person you're looking at as a boy boy yeah. that boy boy might just be the person that they feel oh this guy has ears on the street and any opinion he has a way of maneuvering everything every opinion he has so i mean i think that networking you know um um constituting relationships you know or initiating relationships however it is you know you say it and something really important i have never built my brand as oh, a producer guy do you understand not to say anything is wrong with that it's just what i wanted so no one no one really put me in the box as that guy that guy when they produce song no people can see me and make sense you know it's not really been the music as much that has done all the the the, the good stuff you know for me it's been my ability to present myself in a way you can take me even seriously even we're not talking about music so it's not as much as oscar is a genius producer it's about oscar is excellent at what he does and whatever you give to him will see excellence you know that has pretty much been okay cool now before i go on to just some quick legal and business questions i have i forgot Mm -hmm. to ask you about collabo yeah, collabo with um, P Square and <laughs> to talk to us about collabo. Talk to us So that song, you know, at that time, I, you know, we, we, I was working with Dari. Mm-hmm. You know, so we had this song. It wasn't quite working out with him. We tried everything that was possible. Mm-hmm. We did everything that was possible, and it just wasn't working out for him. So I took the guitar riff of the song, which I'd re, I really, really liked. And I called Paul, I'm like, there's something I need you to hear. You know, so we sat down, we listened to it, and I was excited about it. He was like, wow, from the guitars, you know, he was already sold. He loved the music, mm-hmm. you know, and he started like two days or so. We'd recorded the song, and, you know, the next thing, we're, we're talking about, oh, how do we do this? I mean, um, the chorus is maybe it's not as strong as we need it to be because at the time he has sung the, the chorus himself you know so we suggested eventually he said you know what let Jazzy do something you know and um, yeah so he sent it over to Jazzy and you know we, I think something else was done but eventually though we reverted to the original chorus that you know was was originally done and yeah, it became you know the phenomenal yeah. of success. Success it was. I didn't expect it. I'm not even sure any of the other people, whether Peter Paul or Jude or yeah. Jazzy, expected expected the kind of success. Because sometimes you see like two, you know, powerhouses like that. They come together to do a song, and it's just mm, okay. Yeah, it's just there. Yeah, you know, and so so people because there's expectation, mm-hmm. and it's hard to meet that kind of expectation. So I'm glad it. Was it as impressive out, yeah. as it was, yeah. One question I have before we go on to the fun random questions mm-hmm. is what your thoughts are on the absence of music publishing in Nigeria and how that harms the industry. Because when you talk to a lot of producers in Nigeria, they talk about how it's hard to enforce split sheets. It's mm-hmm. hard to, um, I guess, bargain or enforce royalties with artists because mm-hmm. you have a lot of artists who either they don't even want to pay you for your work or pay you for the songs you write for them. Or they want to have a one-off situation. Mm. So how do you go about navigating those challenges, especially because, you know, it talks a lot of lawyers in Nigeria who mm-hmm. are in the entertainment industry and they talk about how the law needs to be updated in terms of publishing so that, you know, people, produ- producers and songwriters are able to have, um, especially because publishing is such a huge part of the industry around the world as well. Mm. So talk to us about that. Okay, now, so first of all, you understand that publishing anywhere in the world is based on leverage. You you own nothing, just because ideally, from the inception of creating, you own the moment you write a song, you own the publishing. But here there are a lot of producers who write as well, but they are not even able to demand publishing because they don't have the leverage. So it's built on leverage anywhere in the world. If I were go to meet, if I were go, if I were going to meet Beyonce and say, look, I want us to do a song together, do I have the kind of leverage for? Beyonce to be dying to work with me. I don't think I do. Maybe I do. Only God knows. But <laughs> I will say I do. You know. So what would I do? I'll compromise. You understand? I would say, okay. You know what? Take this. You know, level of publishing. She'll probably be any more publishing than me. Or maybe even if not, her A and R team will be any more publishing than I will be earning. 
you know now that is if the only way Seth, that i can earn any publishing is if she's dealing with someone who she respects on my behalf or someone who or someone is negotiating on my behalf on my behalf who she respects or we get into the studio and there's so much magic that she doesn't want to lose the relationship she'll compromise but before you go on isn't it from i guess from a human perspective mm-hmm. isn't it like just fair this person wrote the song and produced the song what's mm-hmm. it so hard in ensuring that oscar gets his portion of because the music business is the most is the most vicious hustle there's nothing like entitlement you don't own anything until you demand it and you can't demand it until you earn it you understand so now my first order of advice would be build a brand be almost irreplaceable in what you do now it's a difficult thing just like a lot of hip-hop producers in america that are not even earning royalties per se they get paid maybe 150 dollars and they make fantastic beats but their life they don't make money per se you understand now in nigeria on in in the same light there are many people who are just in that afrobeat space replicating what other people are replicating so you're just another number you're just another beat maker so an artist comes and they hear your your um your catalog of beats that you have and so nice one as a as as an as a producer you feel privileged that they are even going to sing on your beat so you can even give it to them for free mm-hmm. because it's a sort of exposure exactly because you want them to call your name or say something like that now you have absolutely no credits yet to your name and you want that kind of leverage what do you do you compromise you understand but even if you have to do that to start you must be able to build a sound that is not easily replicated. Unfortunately, too many people sound alike. So not very many producers have enough leverage. Even the established producers, they can't come and meet established artists and be talking, you know, uh, publishing what. They will, the artists, most of them will easily say, I beg, you're not ready for business. Let me go and meet somebody else. Unless they are respectful about the process and they just want to be kind-hearted. So most producers are unable to demand that for me i create an environment where i can demand it and i don't exactly do as much as what every other producer does so there's a difference and as an artist if you're coming to me yes you should be coming to me because you want something different you understand and if you want something different from me it should be at considerably my own terms you understand because you understand there's a need for my service in your career so i have the leverage to determine all of that or to say i want this i want that i wish other producers would think the same way yeah it would be because until a lot of producers start thinking like that it's an industry thing it's not going to change by itself the culture has to change their thinking has to change for the culture to evolve and then the legal process will take due form yeah you understand yeah because when you speak to producers I always raise that question I'm like why can't producers just band together and like you said if I guess if yeah that also goes to leverage and all these different points that you have raised but mm-hmm. I feel like what if producers in Nigeria say okay mm-hmm. if we don't enforce if an artist doesn't enforce split she- I mean if an artist doesn't want to ensure that we enforce split sheets mm-hmm. and you know royalties then we don't get to work with them but then some producers say you have defectors who will say well am I need to make this money yeah. or this one you're talking about you have about. somebody that will come from nowhere there are people who would even sell their credit you won't be able to track them they won't even put their name on the song just for 20,000. The hardship is real now. Yeah. Do you, do you know what it is from giving people your free beats to be able to say, look, I want you, you pay me 5K for, for this. Do you know what it felt like for me the first time? I made a thousand naira from a beat. That's a long time ago now, but imagine that there are a lot of very talented people who feel that way. Yeah. They don't feel their stuff is valuable until they see something even right. little. So you can imagine that there will be a lot of defectors because the numbers, they are coming everywhere, spreading everywhere, like, you know, mm-hmm. everywhere. They are num- talented producers, talented beat makers, whatever they are called, but they're everywhere. So there'll be a lot of people who 
will do you know for whatever reasons and you can't really so yes that is a great idea mm-hmm. regardless i mean you must still start up something right mm-hmm. so there has to be a lot of checks and balances but like i told you the culture has to make the ideas evolve for the law you see because even the legal aspect here it is almost unrealistic because it's who are you going to say anything about that to a lot of people will revolt you understand a lot of people will kick against it a lot of producers don't even understand what publishing is in the first place mm-hmm. so there's no culture of oh they even deserve anything apart from on the beat this guy on the beat or that guy on the beat mm-hmm. and their own head is all focused on let people call my name that's it you understand me so it's everyone is like the pure water mentality everyone is focused on that you know that yeah. place and as far as it stays that way it's going to be difficult for the law to because the law evolves with culture is the experiences of the people that makes the law transform to interpret you understand and meet the needs of of the yeah, yeah. so now people are ignorant so is the law is redundant so the, i was you about understand? to say that um Obviously, your law, your law, mm-hmm. your law degree. Even though you're not mm-hmm. caught to the bar, didn't go to waste. So, definitely knowledge helped was you. lost. Yeah, the knowledge, knowledge was, was lost. lost. You know, I understand it probably better than most average lawyers or most average producers because I understand the technicalities in the music. I understand the technicalities in law. I understand the technicalities in the business. You understand mm-hmm. so. And again, I think we we hear a lot of people that say that music mm-hmm. producers really need to understand that. Yeah, there's a creative process, but there's also a music. There's also the music, music business, business, and you yeah. have to be really well informed. And even if you are not, pop, pop, I guess, probably well too well informed, have a team, <laughs> have a team that's yeah. really well informed, right? Mm. People looking out for you, exactly. Yeah. And then just to wrap up the before I go into the point random questions, one mm. of the producers that seems that you've taken under your wing is Shaky Keys. Yeah, can you talk to us? Just what, you know, what makes Shaky so I'm, special? I'm just too proud. You see the smile on my face <laughs> when you called his name. Yeah. He's such a great guy. He's a, he's um he's brilliant. You know, he's an absolute genius. And I mean, he's one of the people that I'm really looking forward to yeah. seeing up there. You know, and I'm rooting for him, mm. supporting that process everywhere I can. I'm proud of him because he he has come of form. You understand he has he has listened, he has evolved tremendously. You know, and he's 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 dropping fire. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard some of the things that he hasn't even dropped yet from yeah. a couple of artists. It's Can gonna be it? mad. <laughs> you hear it when the time comes. <laughs> no exclusivity. You know, but n- not yet. Okay. <laughs> exclusivity on your podcast. Nice one, Shadi. I know. Nice one. Nice one. <laughs> yeah, because when I interviewed Shay, like one of the people that he just had the most amazing things to say about was you mm-hmm. and I said that it seems like this Oscar is very important to you he said it was important to me I don't know about you so he speaks highly of yeah. you as well so yeah. that's, that's that's really good looking forward to all the stuff that Shay will be doing in 2018 even yeah. though we can't get the exclusive yet mm-hmm. now let's go into the fun random questions you ready mm-hmm. first question is if you ruled your own country who would you get to write your national anthem so naturally because I'm a writer I will probably start doing it and if I don't think I can do it as good as I want in a probably call see me oh okay that's <laughs> yeah. cool and what will be the genre well uh, from my influences as I speak today we'll definitely have some afro something 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 <laughs> <laughs> second question is what piece of wisdom guides you daily what piece of wisdom guides me daily yeah. this still will pass okay mm-hmm. and why is that see because um you know, there's this story I remembered as a very young um, young child of a king who called all the magicians and all the soothsayers, you know, and all the witches and the whatever they had, you know. And he told him to craft him something that when he sees it, if he's, if he's sad, it would instantly make him happy. And if he's happy, it could easily make him sad. So they did everything they could and nothing, 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 nothing was working. And they eventually called the Smith and he he um he he manufactured a ring yeah. and on it he inscribed the words, This too will pass. So the king wears the ring and he's jubilating and laughing and he looks at the ring and he says, This too will pass. 
and insta- instantly he remembers mm. this this laugh will not be forever yeah. and he looks at it when he's sad and he's encouraged you know that this too will pass i guess um is 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 basically a statement of hope yeah that there's a tomorrow you know as long as you know i'm able to have my head out and make decisions you understand that will make things better i yeah. have those opportunities I mean, I know that whatever bad, however bad it is, however crazy it is, it will pass. And even when it's good, don't get caught up in it. And even when it's good, you understand? That's the aspect of tenacity. You understand? Don't don't stay rejoicing in your successes. You understand? Because it will pass. People will forget it. Lady Gaga said that. You understand? It will pass. Don't don't keep, don't, don't, uh, I've arrived. Mm -hmm. You never arrive because this too will pass. Mm -hmm. You know, so create another story of travel and then overcome again so yeah that's a really good story yeah i like that story a lot that's that's (laughs) that's lovely now when you travel are you a heavy packer or a light heavy heavy packer excess luggage heavy packer no not every time sometimes yeah okay cool now are you a hugger or a non-hugger a hugger hugger? all right cool now final fun random question is how many hours do you spend each day on your computer Uh, as I grow older it reduces drastically because as I grow older what I lose in energy I make up for in experience so every time I sit down on this chair it's almost guaranteed that there's something of special value that is being that is coming out of this Mm. so I really don't sit down and say make I just do this one you know make I I'm guessing when you say on your computer you're you're telling me how many hours do I sit making music right it reduces drastically sometimes four hours sometimes six hours in a day as opposed to those days I could sit almost 22 hours making music and making different beats and all that now now I'm I'm purposefully creating Mm. for a specific project you know and four hours you know six hours sometimes when i really can eight hours and sometimes no hours at all in the day yeah you know okay that's good Mm. well we're looking forward to all that you're going to be releasing in 2018 yes so am i so am i i can't wait for it that's awesome thank you so much for being here oscar thank you for having me for i've looked forward to this like i said earlier yeah i really appreciate the time the SNC podcast is produced by Fola Shade Anozier and Tommy Wafaomi. To ensure that you do not miss out on subsequent episodes, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Mixcloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. So that's T-H-E-S-N-C-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. We are also active on Twitter and Instagram at the same name. Alternatively, I am on Twitter at Shade Nonconform. Till next week, cheers.